Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Who would like to read some Bible this, this Easter Sunday, yeah? I would love to. Today I want to bring you uh, an encouragement and a challenge. You might be more excited about one of those than the other. That's all right. Uh, It's from the Bible. So turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Luke chapter 24, uh, and we're going to read a chunk of Scripture because if there's any Sunday to dive into the Resurrection Sunday, it's this Sunday, yeah? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. It says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. This is Jesus' tomb where after the crucifixion, that happened on Friday, yeah? They found this stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the woman, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them, this is two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. Can you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, I thank you this, this Resurrection Sunday. As we gather together under your word, as we gather together and, and lean in, God, as we look at your scripture, as we look at this account of the the story that changed the course of history, God, that today it would not just be words, it would just not be a story, it would not be my ideas, but that it would come to life, that your word would go out and it would land in hearts, that it would transform mind, body, and soul, that we would know that we came into this room not just for a good time, but that we met with the living God, that we would leave different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. So this Easter Sunday, what I'd like to look at is these disciples on the road to Emmaus, And I'd like to look at two things. I'd like to look at why are they on this road when the rest of the disciples are in Jerusalem? And I'd like to look at why are they so upset, right? Because we know who Jesus was. We know who Jesus is. We know the the magnitude of what has just happened. But they didn't really understand in this moment as they're walking to Emmaus the gravity of the situation. 
There'd been many people before who'd been crucified. This was not a unique occurrence. Jesus was not the first rebel to be crucified. And in fact, there were a number of messianic pretenders who had said, oh man, I'm coming to bring about some sort of change who had then been killed. This was not the first time this sort of thing had happened, and yet they were heartbroken. But before I do that, I believe to receive what God has for us this Easter, I think we need to do a quick recap. I'm like, recap of what? I want to do a quick recap of the story of the Bible so far, right? So buckle in, we'll be done by 7.30 tonight. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to recap the Bible so far in five minutes. Who reckons I can do it? Yeah, I believe in myself. I practiced it. I don't actually know if I went for five minutes. Give me some grace. It's our Resurrection Sunday. But it goes like this, right? The beginning of the Bible, we have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And everything in this garden is, is great. It's exactly as it should be, except there's this one tree that they're told by God not to eat from because it's dangerous and it will kill them. But in this garden, we know there's a snake. And the snake, the serpent, it starts telling a different story. It says, if you eat of this tree, it's not going to kill you. In fact, it's going to make you become like God. And Adam and Eve, they believe the snake and they eat the fruit. And the goodness of the garden is tragically lost as evil and death enter into God's good world, right? Original sin. But there is hope in this moment because right here in the story, God makes this really interesting promise to Adam and to Eve. If we go to this first slide, he, he says to them that someone is going to come in the future, a son of Eve. The Hebrew word for this is Zerah. And he says that this Zerah is going to come and he's going to crush the serpent's head and destroy evil at its source. But that during this battle, the serpent is going to bite this man's heel. And so Zerah would defeat evil, but take a fatal wound in doing so. And, and it's strange and this beautiful promise. And it's just kind of hanging there until the next moment in the story when God singles out this guy named Abraham. And, and he says that through his family, Abraham is, is going to bless the world, that goodness and blessing is going to come and be restored back to all the nations of the world. And as we follow this family, we get to one of Abraham's great-grandsons named Judah. And Judah receives the promise that this king is going to rise from his line and that the whole world is going to follow this king and he's going to bring peace and harmony. It's going to be amazing. And so then we meet the first king of the line of Judah, and his name is King David. And he's a hero, and he's amazing. And we think maybe this is the snake crusher. But it turns out that David is infected just like all of us with the same evil that, that, that the rest of humanity is. And he doesn't crush the snake's head, just the opposite. But God makes a promise to David that this king is going to eventually come from David's line. But as you go on in the story, each one of David's descendants, one after the other, they're, they're more and more disappointing. They're total chumps. They give in to the snake. They choose evil. They go after money and sex and power and following other gods. And things get so bad that the nation of Israel is run into the ground and the empire of Babylon comes and takes them over. And so now there are no more kings to even fulfill this promise, and it feels like the plan is, is lost. But during these dark days, there's this group of people called prophets who rise up, and they keep on talking about this coming king and reminding us that, that the hope is not lost, or the promise of, of someone who will come and defeat evil and restore the garden. And one specific prophet named Isaiah, he tells us more about this king, and, and this king is going to be bitten. And Isaiah says that the promised king receives this wound because of humanity's evil, and that it kills him, but then all of a sudden he comes back. And Isaiah says that it's because he suffers this wound that he can now become a source of healing to other people. But the Old Testament ends. And, and this king has never risen, the snake-crushing king that everyone's been talking about. He never shows up. And so this is the world that Jesus enters into. The Jewish people have gone from being oppressed by the Romans to now they're enslaved, sorry, by the Babylonians. Now they're enslaved by the Romans. And they're still looking for this king who would deliver them. 
And this is why the New Testament begins with this introduction of Jesus and his genealogy. Jesus of Nazareth, who's not just some random guy, but, but a person who comes to fulfill these ancient promises. We learn that he's from the line of David and Judah and Abraham. And, and he goes around Israel announcing that God's goodness, the goodness of God's kingdom is here and now. And he begins to confront the effects of evil on people by healing them and forgiving them of their sins. And, and now people are starting to believe maybe this is, in fact, the promised king, the snake crusher. Maybe this is the Zerah. But the religious leaders of the day who were also waiting for the king, they're threatened by Jesus. And, and so when they see him coming, they had expected that when the king would come, they would receive power and prestige, that it was going to place them in a good position. But Jesus comes into the temple courts and he disrupts the system and he calls Israel's leaders a gang of rebels. And so they arrest Jesus and they have him accused before the Roman authorities of being a rebel king. And he's taken outside the city and put to death on a cross like a criminal, surrounded by criminals. And so it seems that the serpent has won, that the story is one big tragedy, which leads us to Luke chapter 24. Just outside of Jerusalem, a pair of Jesus' followers were leaving the city, traveling home on a road to a town called Emmaus. And they were sad and they were confused about everything that had happened. And, and Jesus shows up walking alongside them, but they don't know that it's him. And Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? And they begin by telling him about Jesus, who they expected would rescue Israel, who might have even been the snake-crushing king, but instead was, was executed. And here they say, we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. We had hope that things would be different. We had hope. We'd been living in hope for so long, but nothing again. Like Abraham and Judah and David and all the other kings and judges and prophets, we're still waiting for it to be made right. We'd hoped, but it's the third day. And this hope, this hope is their most precious possession. They're living enslaved. They're living subjugated. The mother could not pass on anything to her babies but hope. She couldn't give them a life or security or comfort. She could only give them hope that one day it was promised, one day it would be made right. That one day Jesus would appear and start confronting evil. The Zerah would come and, and they, would, they would do something. And so when Jesus does appear and, and starts confronting evil, starts performing miracles, starts fulfilling prophecies, that they thought, man, we've got a hope. This is our hope. But they took him. They took our hope and they hung him on a cross. And so we're heading home without hope. See, if you take nothing else away this Easter Sunday, I want to let you know that hope is here. See, I don't blame them for going home. Right? I've, I've had those moments where it feels like it's hopeless, where it feels like, God, where are you at work in my life? What's happening? I don't blame them for going home, but I must admit, I do question their timing. See, because we know it, it, it says, they said, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. But these were Jesus' disciples. They'd been with Jesus. And, and if we go to the next slide, according to Matthew and Mark and Luke, Jesus had told them in three different occasions, recorded in each of the different Gospels, what was going to happen. He had spoken to them about where this was going. He had said to them that he was going to die, but on the third day, he would be raised to life. These disciples should have known that they were in the middle of a miracle, but they were heading home before the end of the third day. See, here's what happens Resurrection Sunday. It, Jesus leaves the tomb. The stone is rolled away. The women go to dress Jesus' body, find the tomb empty, and meet angels. Peter runs to see, finds an empty tomb, and then the two disciples hear about all of this. 
on the back of Jesus' repeated proclamation that he would be raised to life on the third day, they hear of these women, they hear of the angels, they hear what Peter has said, and they decide, you know what, it's a good time to head back to Emmaus. It's a good time to head on home. See, that's interesting timing, isn't it? But I believe this Easter Sunday, before we get on our high horse and start judging these disciples, it's something I can relate to. That's such a human moment that even when you know how it ends, holding on to hope hurts. See, maybe you're here today and you've lost someone that you love. They had a faith in Jesus. And so you know that, that you have an eternal hope. You know that, that one day you're going to see them. You know that Easter should bring joy, that death is defeated. But today you miss them and it hurts. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're walking in death, like life is hard, and you know that, that, that Easter is about resurrection, that, that Easter reminds us that we serve a God of the turnaround, that it's not over, but here and now it feels the same and it hurts. See, maybe you can relate with me to the disciples on the road to Emmaus as it hurts, and so they leave and they almost miss everything. But back in Luke chapter 24, they're walking with Jesus and he explains the Bible to them, like I just did. Maybe a little bit better, right? But only a little bit, because that was pretty good. And they realize the gravity of who the Messiah is. They do not realize that the Messiah is with them, but they realize, oh man, God is at work in human history. And because that what this man has said has been so incredible, has brought such clarity to them, has started to rekindle hope in them, as he goes to leave, they're like, no, no, please stay. Would you stay with us and, and have some food with us, have a meal with us, don't keep on going on this road. And so they bring Jesus into their house and they, they go to have a meal with him. And as Jesus takes the bread and gives thanks and breaks the bread, they recognize who he is. And in the moment they recognize who he is, he disappears. See, I want you to notice today that, that they'd left, that they'd turned their backs on the miracle, that they had left in the middle of what Jesus was doing, but Jesus meets them on the road. Jesus goes after them. He meets them where they are, and he reveals it all to them. See, I want to tell you today that Jesus wants to meet with you today, that, that hope is here. If you've never heard it before, I want to let you know that, that today is all about God's love for you. That today we celebrate that God would love us so much that he would bridge the gap between us created by our sin. That our iniquity, that our falling short, that, that Jesus loves you so much that he would take the weight of your sin on himself that he died for you. But I also want to let you know that his love doesn't stop there. Jesus is not a God who comes and dies on the cross and is like, look, I've done it. You need to at least come to the foot of the cross. No, Jesus is a God who then goes out and finds the disciples who have left in the middle of a miracle, who are on their way home in hurt and disappointment without hope, that he would meet them and say, no, there is a miracle that you get to be a part of. There is hope. You don't have to go home. You don't have to be dejected. You don't have to think that hope is not here. He meets them in the middle of their disappointment and says, I've already done it all but I'm coming to make sure that you know. Church, Jesus is coming to us today to make sure that we know. Jesus has died for us and he's chasing after us to make sure that we know, to make sure that we have an opportunity to accept what he's done. See, Jesus' first action was dying for our sins. But the thing he does immediately after doing that, after doing everything for us, is he goes out after the ones who didn't know to seek them out, to make sure they know that hope is here. Look, church, I'm almost done just as I get the band up, but I want to let you know if you've, if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, 
If you're here today and, and maybe you have, but you know that today you're not right with him. Today you're far from him. I'm, I'm almost done. But I want you to think on this, that he loves you so much that he would give his life to bring heaven to you. And then he would seek you out. That you were in this room today because Jesus is after you. Jesus is coming, not, not in a possessive way, but in a way of there is hope, there is, there is help, there is love, there is peace, there is truth, there is life more than you would know. And he, you, you are here today because Jesus wants you to know that hope is here, that he loves you, that he has life and life abundantly with you, that he would seek you out as you walk away with a broken heart, with hope hurting too much, to let you know that hope is here. See, like I said at the top, I, I wanted to bring an encouragement today. I pray that you feel encouraged, but, but beyond an encouragement that Jesus loves you so much that he would die on a cross for you, beyond even that, even after he gave everything for you, he sought you out to make sure that you knew that you didn't miss out. And I also want to share a call. See, the response of the disciples in Luke chapter 24, after realizing what Jesus has done, realizing the enormity of God's love for them, realizing that it's not over, realizing that hope is not lost, but hope is here as they went back. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture for us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Because I believe that, that when you realize what the cross means, when you realize that, that Jesus is at work, that hope is here, when you realize that, but when you also realize that in hand in hand with that realization, you realize that you have a part to play. When Jesus told his disciples that he was going to, to die, that he was going to, to fulfill these prophecies, that he was going to overcome sin and death, he followed it up with an invitation. He said to them, not only am I going to die, not only am I going to the cross, but I call you to take up your crosses and to follow me. Whoever wants to follow me must take up their own cross, must lay down their own life, submit their preferences and their comfort and follow me in a life of meaning and purpose. To die to ourselves, to place ourselves last. Not because he's asking us to earn his sacrifice, to, to earn the cross, but because as, as Paul says in Romans chapter six, we have been baptized into death. Jesus defeating sin means that we can put our flesh to death with him. Paul says, and since we died with Christ, we know we also live with him. See, in the upside down way of the kingdom, we find life. We find true life, not in putting ourselves first, but in surrendering to Christ. See, Easter reminds us of God's sacrifice and our call, that Jesus won in laying himself down and that we can find the same, that, that we can find life in dying to ourselves. See, church, this is the story of the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus follows that with an invitation for us to life now. Our faith is not just about our eternal salvation. It is about here and now. We are not called to a cosmic waiting game. Jesus is at work today. I believe that, that we, God would want to say to us this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter, that it's not over. That Jesus is at work. That it's not time to go home. That it's time to get off the road to Emmaus. That hope is here. Now, could we hang around waiting for heaven? 
Yeah. We could cloister ourselves off. We could look after our own needs, but that's not what Jesus calls us to do. There is a call. And we need to remember that it's not over, that Jesus has won and I have my part to play. That we live in the space of the almost, but not yet. We know that Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth on that Sunday morning. But we also know that the world is still hurting. We know that while the serpent has been crushed, we still live with the ramifications of sin. See, the Bible calls the serpent Satan the deceiver because there's no power there. It's just tricks. And I've come to believe in the last few months that the greatest trick the devil wants to play isn't to convince you that you're not called, that you're not set apart, that there's not a plan and a purpose for your life, but to trick you instead into inaction. I'll do the call one day. Not this Easter, maybe next Easter. Maybe I'll step into engaging in the mission and the call and the, the destiny and the purpose that God has for my life later on, but not today. That the devil would seek to lull us into apathy, into comfort. I want to suggest this Easter Sunday, if I could, that, that if following Jesus doesn't require us to put something in us to death, to take up our cross daily, who are we following? Because if we do not need divine help to walk in our call, are we walking in the call that God has for us? See, just like in the Garden of Eden, to bring this back to the beginning, we will be tempted to place ourselves first. We will be tempted to make ourselves into gods. See, I believe that Easter isn't just a reminder of Jesus' death, although that is the most important thing. But Easter is also a reminder that, that we can find life and life abundantly on a daily basis through our continual death to ourselves. That in laying ourselves down, we find more than we could ever imagine. That it's not over. That the kingdom of heaven is here and now. And we are a part of the good news. That it's time to turn around. It's time to leave the road of Emmaus and head back towards Jerusalem. Because church, hope is here. And it's here to share. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.